Hello and welcome to the Paul Tagar podcast, episode number four. I'm Joe Nitchin, your host, and today we'll be recapping UFC 263, touching on the Bellator card and commenting on the Carisha Shields debut in MMA. So let's get started. First of all, let's look at Bellator and see what they're sort of doing. Uh, we had Douglas Lima losing his title against Yuroslav Amosov by unanimous decision, which was 50 to 45 on one card and 49 to 46 on two other cards. We also had Paul Daly losing by unanimous decision to Jason Jackson. And we had Aaron Pico attempt about seven anaconda jokes and finally get in the third round. So that's Bellator. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to Carissa Shields winning her MMA debut. Of course, she didn't fight anyone high leveled. I think she fought someone who was six and three. I can't remember the lady's name, but she was two two rounds down and she won in the third round, which you know takes some guts to win to come back and win it in the third. She had to get a finish or get a ten eight to get a draw, but she got the finish, won her MMA debut. See where she goes from there. From what I heard, because I I ain't seen the fight is that she has a zero ground game. So there might be sort of a limit what she what she can do. But, you know, a few years' time, maybe, she improves her takedown defense, improves her ground game a bit more. Who knows? We could see her in major promotion, competing for world titles, or at least be in that upper echelon of certain divisions. All right, well, that's enough for the news, if you would, or elsewhere of UFC. Let's look at the UFC card itself. We're going to go to UFC 263, which was in Glendale, Arizona. It was at the Jala River Arena. I hope I'm saying that right. And the attendance was 17,208. And the total gate was 4.2 million. Uh, the commentary team was Joe Anik, Joe Rogan, and Paul Felder, with an occasional chip in from Dean Thomas. And um, yeah, to, I didn't really watch the early prelims. Did see a point of it. I just focused on the prelims and the main card. Uh, there was a seven-second knockout though on the early prelims, which I occasionally uh, glanced at. It was on like my Facebook feed or something like that, and I saw him. I think he won in seven seconds, which nearly broke the record currently held by Jorge Masvidal. Uh, he knocked the guy out and gets on top of the cage and then falls falls back down and fucks his knee up. I don't know if he tore the ligament or anything like that. It was quite funny. Obviously, um, I think the Jorge Masvidal was five seconds, if I'm not mistaken. But it, if you look at the fight, it's really like two, three seconds at most. Just the ref literally has to sprint over to try and stop it because it was that quick. And yeah, so let's look at the prelims of this card, which a lot of this is a very decision-heavy card. A lot of decisions. I think there was like two finishes across the prelims and the main card. I could be wrong with that front. But here we go. We have the fight that I was looking forward to um, in the featherweight division. The Woodoo versus Evelov or Evelov. I can't pronounce this cunt's name. And I'm sweating my bollocks off. It is hot as fuck. It's 29 degrees where I'm from. I live in Kent. Oh no. Shit up. Um, yeah, great. Great fight. Uh, the absolute grappling masterclass in the first two rounds by Evelov. I'm just calling him. No, his first name is hard to pronounce. It. I'm just calling Evelev. Evelev sounds all right. Sounds close enough. Absolute masterclass in the first two rounds. Just out grappling. Anywhere it goes, he just um, 
I know he was just one step ahead. He had the obviously the Dagestani handhold or wrist hold. He took uh, the back quite a lot, and then he got the finish. He was just very effective with his grappling as well. He weren't just you know holding position. He was trying to advance position, trying to get the rear naked choke. He was kept doing this thing with his forearm, trying to like get a neck crank or just crank any part of the body to try and like get a submission maybe seeing if he was getting a bit uh tense about any sort of situations where he was trying to crank and then the third round I think he sort of tired out or Duandu just sort of you know went for it a bit more because he knew he was two down two rounds he possibly might have won uh, lost around 10-8 so he he knew he had to go for it and he done really well I think he rocks Evlov in the last round a couple of times. I think it ended up being a 29-27 decision for Evlev. Yeah, he got a 10-8 round in round number two, I think, because that's the one I thought he could have possibly got in. He just dominated, especially in that second round. Just He could have finished the, the fight. But, you know, uh, got to give uh, Hakeem some props. He, he kept in there and, uh, and made it a competitive fight. Got to go to the next fight. Bit annoyed with this one. Jojo Cadwood versus Laura Murphy. Uh, very back and forth fight. Either one of these ladies could have won. It was a split decision to Lauren Murphy in the end. Lauren Lucky Murphy. She was definitely lucky for this one. I think a lot of people thought that Jojo Caldwood uh, won the fight overall. And I'm one of them. I thought she won rounds one and three. But uh, Lauren Murphy in round two definitely won that round. I think round one was the one where uh, the judges were split on. And yeah, Lauren Murphy... Potentially getting a title shot against uh, Valentina Shashenko next, maybe. Feel sorry for Jojo, though. Love Jojo. I think everyone does. Even even uh, probably stateside, people probably love her. Just how can you not like this woman? But hopefully she can bounce back and eventually get a title shot. She'll probably never win the title, but you know, at least she, I think everyone just wants to see her get a title shot. If she doesn't win, fine. But I think everyone just wants to see her get a title shot eventually. She's a lovable character. Uh, yeah, Lauren Murphy next for Shevchenko, maybe. I don't think she has a chance in hell to beat Shevchenko. I think Shevchenko stops her within the first three rounds. But who knows? I've been wrong uh, previously, and this card shows how wrong I fucking am sometimes. So, let's go on to the next bout, which was Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. These two previously fought at middleweight. I think it was their, both their last fight. I could be wrong on that front, but it was a not, no contest because of a legal knee. And yeah, the first two rounds was absolute fucking snorefest. Absolute dull to watch. Like, in the third round, it picked up. Eric Anders got the better of him, got a bit of ground pound, but fucking hell, it was, it was hard to watch. It was like 20 minutes of like, these two dudes just fucking just doing fuck over it, just grappling against the, the fence. People in the I think they're corner member board. I think everyone's bored. The crowd shat over it. They were very impatient. This crowd, crowds came back and they they really want to see some action. And uh, these two didn't. Their last fight was quite entertaining for the, for the most part until the legal knee took place. From what I remember, but um, yeah, absolute dull fight. Don't know what they're going to do next either. I don't think I think they're more fodder fighters than anything like prelims and shit like that. But who knows? And we go to the absolute banger next. Uh, I think this is the last fight on the prelims. It's Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. These two fucking beat the shit out of each other. It's brilliant to watch. 
if there's one fight on this card, I recommend anyone watching, it's this one. These two beat the piss out of each other. They rock each other on multiple occasions. Uh, Brad Riddell ends up winning uh, 30-27, I feel like, on most cards. Or was it 29-28, actually, on all three judges' scorecards? I hit 30-27. Just because Drew Dober got the better of uh, Riddell in early exchanges in the first round. But I feel like Riddell slowly started to come back into it and was and finished the round strong, so I gave him the round. And, um, yeah, Riddell has a, that fucking amazing right hand. He just kept hitting Dober with it over and over and over again. And he was mixing in takedowns during the fight as well, which, you know, you don't need to um, be good at wrestling, I'd say, to sort of at least threaten the takedown. It's another thing that your opponent has to sort of think about. And if you're giving your opponent a lot to think about, giving them different looks and just, you know, going up high or just let, uh, level change in, you know, it's giving them something to think about. You're overloading them with information, information they might not sort of comprehend or, you know, that they're not going to be able to react to. Because a lot of um, sort of, say if I'm going to dodge a, a jab or a straight or any sort of attacking movement is I'm usually predicting it. I'm not sort of reacting to it because we're not as human beings we're not made to react to things that quickly we sort of try and anticipate what the opponent's doing and that's that's why giving people looks and giving them a lot to think about is so valuable in this sport and then brad riddell done that excellently in this fight and i think he earns a top 15 spot by beating drew dober who was game as fuck gotta give these two all the props in the fucking world they beat the fuck at each other fantastic fight Definitely give it a watch. Definitely give it a watch. And now we go into the main card. And what a way to sort of start it as well. Another fucking arm break or leg break or just a, a broken bone. And um, yeah, it didn't last long either. The first round, Paul, uh, Paul Craig. I don't know why they keep saying Clegg. Like it's fucking, why are you trying to put the accent on? I don't understand it. Like, you just make yourself look like a fucking dickhead. Like, it's, it's Paul Craig. Like, just say Paul Craig. If you want to, like, joke around about him being Scottish and stuff like that, just say, oh, it's Paul Craig. Where's his fucking iron brew? I don't know. Say, like, I don't understand why they have to put an accent on this dude's name. You don't go fucking put an accent on Jojo Cowdwood's name. So, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think they're trying to be funny. I, I don't really understand why they're trying to do it. But Paul Craig, the Paul to guard guy. Fucking old school as fuck. Like, you don't see a lot of guys pull to guard in the modern day. And, you know, I like it. I like that Craig pulled to guard because, you know, obviously the the name of this podcast is pull to guard. It's an inside joke. But, um, yeah, I can't believe it actually fucking worked. He pulled him to guard and snapped a quick armbar. I was quite impressed with how quickly he snapped up that armbar. And then um, he transitioned to other submissions, got a head and arm, the sort of armbar, sort of, technique and uh he broke or dislocated as we later found out uh jamal hill's arm and it was like dangling and stuff like that. i don't know what the fucking ref was doing this referee i don't i have no idea what he's doing but you just see jamal hill's ha- hand fucking flap about unable to protect himself and paul craig just unloading on elbows and punches and jamal hill's you know, defenseless, can't do anything, and the referee finally steps in, and it's ruled a TKO. Uh, this ref should sort of look at himself and be like, oh, "I need to do better next time." 
everyone makes mistakes. Like the best refs make mistakes. Mark Goddard, um, Big John McCarthy, Herb Dean. All these guys make mistakes, but like sometimes you got to be like, "Fucking hell, I need to sort it out." Because that, he, like Jamal Hill, could have got really hurt in that exchange. But yeah, great sort of intensity before the fight as well. I really loved the intensity that Paul Greg and Jamal Hill had against each other. It makes you want to watch the fight even more. And the respect they showed each other afterwards, it was quite a nice touch as well. Apparently, they were dancing with each other and had a night out after the fight, which is always nice to see. I don't know how fucking Jamal Hill was dancing about with a fucking dislocated arm. But what a trooper. Love it. Absolutely love it. And then we get to the next fight, which is Damian Mai versus Bilal Mohamed. Bilal Mohamed obviously coming off that no contest with Leon Edwards, who's also on the same card as well. And you've got Damian Mai coming off that loss to Gilbert Burns. Uh, Burns, Gilbert Burns, I believe. So Damian Mai hasn't fought in quite a while, and Blau Mohamed obviously quick turnover from that Leon Edwards fight. Uh, yeah, not not much to really talk about. You know, it's a Damian Mai fight. He's a he's an awkward fighter. Anyone who fights him, it's just gonna be awkward for. Him. I remember the Anderson Silva fight, uh, Tyron Woodley. That he's just an awkward guy to sort of fight, and you never let, like look good when you fight. Damian White, unless you knock him the fuck out, like Gilbert Bernstad. But Blaham Mohammed's not really that kind of guy to get that sort of finish against Damian White. And in the first round, Damian White just going for a single leg. All for, He'd done it all quite long, but he was constantly going for a single leg, especially in the first round. And that was really just the first round. Just that sort of transition, Blaham Mohammed topping about, trying to defend a single leg. I think. Damian might have got one takedown in the entire fight. I think I want to start here. 20 out of 21 attempts was defended by Bilal Mohamed. And they're all, I think all of them were pretty much single legs. Like Damian didn't like uh, change up at all, but he still could, he's ha- he technically hangs in there with Bilal Mohamed. And you've got to think, Damian is 43, 44 years old and he's still got something less in, in the game. Uh, in the gas tank, he doesn't. He's not that kind of guy that needs to be super fucking young to compete. But he he was never going to be. He's never going to be a world champion in this point in his career because obviously he's getting older. You got to slow down. Your cardio is not really as good anyway. But he still can compete at a good level. Now I know his fight. Uh, his fighting contract is up with the UFC, and they, uh, Dana White has obviously came out and said that this will probably be it for Dana White. But I hope they give him one more. And just be like, all right, we'll give you one more. We'll go to fucking Brazil. We'll have you versus another jiu-jitsu guy in the main event in a Brazil card or co-main event in the Brazil card. And be sort of your send-off. Because he deserves it. He's been in the company for a long, long time. And, yeah, just pay a bit of respect to him, which would be nice. Um, we go to... One of the three big fights on this card, which is Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. And I tell you what, Nate Diaz, despite being an, I would say, average fighter, a bit harsh to say, but an av- like an average fighter, probably getting the biggest fucking pop of the night. He came into this, this fight, walked out, and the tr- crowd went fucking bananas for this dude. They went absolutely ballistic. Even in the fight itself, they were absolutely nuts for him. Anything he did, they were chanting along. They were getting excited for it. They were popping. They were marking out. They were loving everything Nate Diaz done. All the Nate Diaz uh, 
or the Diaz just fucking shit out or that he did during the fight. They loved it. They couldn't get enough of this dude. Like he was just doing his thing, showed his back to Leon. Leon was getting a bit frustrated and was um, sort of biting on what Nate was doing and frustrating him. Which, fair enough, but at the same time, just, just fight your game, Leon. Just fight your game. It, Leon looked really good. Well, he looked good for 24 minutes out of 25. Well, we'll sort of go through the fight. Uh, yeah, Leon, I think every round he just won, like 10-9. And just technically just look fucking fantastic. The reaction time, the speed, the anticipation, all of it was there. And he'd he done a few leg trips, which were super impressive to, like, to watch. Like, if I ever do uh, a bit of MMA Drew, I would have fucking do that shit. Because uh, obviously, gyms are starting to open back up. And it's July now, because uh, we're supposed to have Freedom Day or some bollocks like that this month. But it's been put, uh, pushed back for four weeks. So hopefully, I can start doing a bit of jiu-jitsu or just MMA in general and just do a bit of training because I'd love to sort of get a better understanding of it. Help me with this podcast, for example. And I'd love to just get a better understanding overall and I'd love to sort of participate in those sort of events because th- that leg trip was fucking beautiful, beautiful. Even Nate Diaz sort of was like, yeah, that was fucking good. That, that was good. And even like fist bumped Leon Edwards and Nate, the Diaz brothers don't do that shit in the fights. They're like, fuck you, you're my enemy, let's fight. So, yeah, they um, they they went, well, Leon absolutely beat the shit out of Nate. He even mixed in a few takedowns in general, just tried to take him down. And uh, Nate nearly got a heel hook, but Leon defended it very well. And Leon just took, just beat Nate, Nate Diaz uh, wherever the fight went. And it looked really impressive until round number five. Leon beat the shit out of Nate. Four minutes in. Nate's sort of getting into it a little bit more and more and more because you can notice that Leon's slowing down. Leon slows down every sort of last round he ever fought in against uh, Rafael de Sandros, uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, who's the fucking guy who trains with Connor? What's his fucking name? Ah, uh, the submission guy from like Iceland. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's going to fucking bug me. But um, yeah, I watched that one live as well. Ah, oh, that's going on me. Uh, but yeah, every sort of last round he fights in, he does slow down massively. I don't know if it's a complacent thing or if just his conditions not as great as the people he's fighting. I don't know what it is. Uh, but um, gets to the like, last minute of the fight. Nate sort of throws his Stockton slap and then sort of cuts through Leon's guard and fucking hits him with straight. And it absolutely rocks Leon. And then Nate does, you know, Diaz thing where he points at him and says, I got you, motherfucker, and shit like that. And uh, I don't know why I've done a fucking... Like Tennessee accent, but he went after him afterwards, and um, Leon tried desperately to hang on. He knew that he would he would win this fight if he can get to the buzzer. Nate Diaz is laying it on him, trying to finish the fight. Leon survives 49-46 on all uh, three judges' scorecards, and Leon Edwards gets it done against Nate Diaz in a very good showing, apart from the last minute. But there's a few questions in this, and obviously... Like Leon Edwards is on like a ten fight 
unbeaten streak or, or nine fight unbeaten streak. And um, you'd think he'd be in line for the title shot next. But Dana White has came out and said uh, that it's Colby Covington. Which, yeah, that you probably should do that fight. But at the same time, Colby's fought once since the title loss to Usman, which was against Tyron Woodley. And Woodley was coming off... Did he fight Gilbert Burns before Colby Covington? I can't remember. But he was coming off... like He'd lost like 10 rounds in a row or 15 rounds in a row at that point. It's like, why? We don't need to see that. Not, I'd rather see Leon versus Usman. They fought six years ago for one. Leon's fought, has like fought ten other times and not lost for two. And Kobe's only fought once since that fight. So it's just a very bizarre decision. I understand it, but it's also bizarre. I feel like Colby should have fought at least one more to get a title fight or earned it. Or he should have just had an instant rematch against him because it was a close fight in the first time. But obviously the buzz around it you know, during the aftermath of their first fight, you should have just rematched them then. But now, obviously, a lot of time's passed. I feel like that buzz for that fight's gone. And Usman's it's all ducking Kobe a little bit. Like, they've came out and said, Kobe's next. And Usman's like, oh, I'd write, I want to fight Kessia. And everyone's like, what? Fucking Kessia. Like, who the fuck's Kessia beat recently? I, ain't, I can't remember his last performance. Did he beat RDA? I can't even remember. And like, he hasn't, he's, I think he's not even a top five welterweight. It's like, why the fuck do you want to fight Kessia? It's like, you're obviously trying to fight people that you know you could beat. Maybe he doesn't believe that he could, or he doesn't know for sure he could beat Cubby Covington again. But yeah, I think he will, personally. I think he will. But, I know, Usman, there's moments I like the guy and there's moments where I'm like, oh, you're a fucking dickhead. And these are one of the moments I'm like, just fight Kobe again. If you beat him, you don't have to deal with this prick again. You know? So just beat him again. See what happens. Because you're either going to fight Leon Edwards down the line. Or you're going to fight Wonderboy down the line. Like, there's a lot of go- lot of uh, fights going on. But what do you do with Leon in the meantime? Like, do you fight? Like, a lot of people said, Jorge Masvidal. I don't think Masvidal's going to take that fight. Why well, would Mazda take that fight? There's no money in it, I don't feel. I know they had that altercation at the UFC London card where uh, Mazda pieced him up after his fight with Darren Till. But that that was also like 20, was that 2018, 2019? I can't remember now. I think it's 2018. So um, why? Like, why would Mazda take that fight? I don't feel like he, I don't think he has enough buzz around it. I don't think Mazda. I think Masdale would rather have a sure thing or have a massive money fight or fight someone that he knows he can beat because he's coming off two two losses to Kamara Usman. So he's got two fights skit. I think he would rather fight Nate Diaz. That'd be a rematch. I think people would be interested in one. And uh, from both fighters' perspective, Nate and Jorge, they'd rather take it. So it leaves another question. What do you do with Leon? Who the fuck can he fight? You could argue Bilal Mohammed, but I think Leon's a bit above Bilal Mohammed, and I think he thinks that he's above Bilal Mohammed. And I personally don't think Mohammed's ready for that top five opponent yet. So what do you do? Because one boy is booked up with, I think, Gilbert Burns. I think it is Gilbert. 
Kiesa is booked up. I can't remember who's fighting, but he is fighting someone. Fuck knows. I can't remember. But he is fighting someone. So in the top like six or seven, I think they're all booked up apart from Jorge and Leon. And they won't, I don't think Jorge will accept that fight. So you've, you either have to wait for the Gilbert Burns and Wonderboy fight to conclude for Leon, or you have to wait for Colby and Usman to conclude for Leon. And then you could be like, all right, I'll fight the loser or the winner of this fight. So if Wonderboy wins, I think Wonderboy gets the title shot next. It's just a bit of a state. And it, <laughs> I think someone put... When Leon wins, he loses. When Nate loses, he wins. And it's fucking hilarious because it's so fucking true. It's so fucking true. It's quite funny, really. But I do feel sorry for Leon. I hope he gets his title shot soon. I'm not sure if he could beat Usman. But who knows, right? I'd be interested to see the fight. It's been six years in the making. So, yeah, that's that's enough on that subject anyway. Next, we go into the co-main event, I think, which everyone was excited for. And Brandon Moreno shut me the fuck up. <laughs> he, I think he uh, shut everyone up because he absolutely dominated Davidson Figueroa. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, uh, the first two rounds, the first round, it was a stand-up war. Or, I'll say war. Uh, Moreno just beat shit out of him, used the jab really well, and just boxed him up. And in the second round, it was a grappling exchange on the on the ground, obviously. And Moreno got the better of him there. And then in round three, dominates him again, gets the rear naked choke, and chokes the fucker out. So it was just absolute pure domination by Brandon Moreno. And just the celebration afterwards was fantastic. But I'll talk about the... In round one, he he uh, done a jab and knocked Figueroa down. It was absolutely just fantastic like display from Moreno. I don't think any... Well, was going to beat him on that night. No matter Demetrius Johnson, it doesn't matter. Henry Sudo, it doesn't matter. I think on that night, Brandon Moreno was at his peak best. And he's still quite young. I think he's 27. But obviously, he's a lighter guy. So I think they have shorter careers, really. Or short career, shorter times on top. So their peaks, their peaks a bit shorter. But yeah, absolutely brilliant from Brandon Moreno. And uh, you should see like the sort of aftermath of it. He wins. He sort of walks around like he can't believe he won. Like it dies at sunk in, and then all of a sudden it sort of just all comes pouring in, and he's like, "Oh fuck! I just won the world title." He like drops to his knees, starts crying, and yeah, it was a beautiful scene. Like especially the post-fight interview, he's like, "I worked so fucking hard for this," and it's a really impressive story. Obviously, he got cut in 2018. He was the last fighter picked in the Ump Fighter. Uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic story. Came back, won the UFC flyweight championship, and yeah, you gotta go give props to Davison though, like uh, or Deverson, because that's how it's spelled. It's spelled really fucking weird. He, both his first name and last name. Don't get the amount of times I've misspelled his name when I've taken notes for this fucking fight is ridiculous. Bastard! How dare your parents not spell your name properly, you bastard! <laughs> but um, you gotta give him props though. He came over, congratulated uh, Moreno. Congratulating his post-fight speech, and sort of a game, sort of raised him in the air when he had the title belt around him, and sort of carried him around the ring and pointed to him towards the fans. And yeah, 
the fans in attendance as well made this moment even more special. We've got to give him props as well. They were chanting his name. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic to watch. Like like seeing him breaking down, seeing his wife and his kids and stuff like that. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, yeah, I'm quite excited to see what happens going forward. I wonder what they're going to do because you've got uh, Askarov, I think his name is, potentially next. But who wouldn't want to see a, a trilogy fight? Why not, right? They've had they've they drew the first one, and Moreno won the, the second one. So why not have a third fight? There's not much going on in the fucking flyweight division. Let's be honest. Unless Demetrius Johnson comes back, even then, Demetrius Johnson's slowing down. He's getting a bit older. Henry Cejudo, they won't pay him enough to sort of fight, especially at flyweight. I I feel like they're more likely to pay him some decent money for bantamweight rather than flyweight. So why not? Why not have uh, Askarov fight Perez or uh, did he fight Perez last? I can't remember. Why not have Asgroff fight someone for like the number one contendership and um, have the trilogy fight. Have it on the same card even. So you've got a backup in Asgroff for the fight if Gregorian missed his way and then you have a fucking potential absolute banger in the main event. I feel like that'd be class, personally. Alright, well that's the co-main event. We'll head to the main event very shortly. And we're back. Well, a little, little bit of a transition period there. I've had a bit of my sneak energy drink. Please sponsor me. Uh, and uh, we're back into this. And we're looking at the main event of the evening, which is Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. This fight was very lopsided. Very lopsided. Going into this fight, they fought before in 2018, where Israel Adesanya won by split decision somehow. I, I thought it, was a, it should have been unanimous. That's, that's not bullshit. At all. Should have been unanimous decision. Israel Adesanya won two rounds. Vittori won one. Quite simple. Quite easy. Vittori somehow thought he won the fight. Which, this, this dude is fucking delusional as fuck. It's hilarious. Uh, watching the pre-fight press conference. Vittori, he was having me in stitches, bro. Well, I couldn't stop laughing at this guy. Like, what the fuck is he on? <laughs> Whatever drugs... He's having. I was about to say I want. I don't touch that shit. But I would love to know what the fuck he is on. And um, yeah, just this guy is fucking hilarious. Israel saying it was like this is fucking roid rage for you. This is roid rage. It wouldn't surprise me if he's on some sort of steroids that haven't been trapped by Usada or some bollocks. Because this guy got big really quickly, and he just looks like an Italian meathead. Fucking brilliant. Funny as fuck as well. Couldn't understand a word he said at times in the uh, press conference, but still funny. And um, we go in to the Israel Adesanya versus the Tory fight. It was quite every sort of round was quite similar. Is Izzy's game plan was quite simple: uh, attack the front leg with calf kicks. The Tory's strategy was get the takedown because he's going to beat the fuck out of me on the feet. And, uh, yeah, uh, early on, Vittori actually gets a takedown, which was quite surprising. Like, it was like, about a minute in the first round. But is he quickly got back up? Like, Vittori hasn't got that 30-pound weight advantage that Jan, that Jan Blavich, Blavich. <laughs> Jan had, okay? Jan had over Israel Adesanya. But, you know, 
it's quite impressive to see Izzy just pop back up, pop back up. It was fucking insane. His walkout, by the way, was spectacular. I don't know what song it is. I might have to look it up because that's a banging tune. And um, I liked uh, Vittori's uh, walkout as well. That was quite, like, the music was cool and it was just a nice walkout. Everything about this sort of intro was quite cool. Quite enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, Israel Sang and Brad Riddell, forgot to mention earlier, were sort of fighting for their fool uh, and brother, if you would, uh, in Foul, I think his name was, uh, who was murdered, quite tragically, a couple of weeks ago. And both of them pay tribute to him in uh, their fights. Uh, Brad Dow speaks about it in his post-match interview, and so does uh, Israel Sanya here. And uh, we go into this fight. Israel Sanya landing, I think he matched his previous best in calf kicks or low leg kicks in this fight and Vittori just got beat every round just got beat and he kept going to his corner as well he's like oh I'm fucking winning and then the coach is like no you're not what are you doing we need you to change it up we need you to go for it we need you to get the fight where you want it and Vittori was just I don't know he's just his movement especially on the feet is just quite lumbering quite um he has no footwork at all. His footwork's fucking trash. Just shit. They uh, used a double jab, which he used quite successfully in the, their last fight. The round they won, he used the double jab quite well. In this fight, he thought, oh, just double jab and it'll be fine. It's like, mate, you got to have some sort of intention with it. He was double jabbing, but his footwork was quite square and it was just, it was just quite poor. And Israel was just picking him off, just picking him off, uh, hit him with a nice uppercut as well in this fight. And it was just quite a, a lopsided fight. I don't think Marvin Vittori, I think Marvin Vittori will look back and he should think that he lost all rounds, but he's quite delusional. So he probably think, he probably still thinks he won the fucking fight. Uh, and uh, in the post-match press conference, uh, not the post-match press conference, the post-match fight, they sort of talk to each other and, um, Izzy's like, what the fuck's this dude saying? Because Marvin Tori basically said, oh, I thought I won that one. And it's like, what the fuck are you going on about? Like, the judges were saying, oh, the winner of this fight, but, or the Bruce Buffer was announcing the judges' scorecards, saying it was 45, uh, 45 to 50 to Israel Adesanya. Before they announced it was for Adesanya, like, Vittori was, like, sort of shaking his fists, thinking he won. It was just like fucking crazy. I was like, how do you think you won that fight? Dana White wrapped the belt around Israel Adesanya even before the judges or Bruce Buffer sort of announced the decision. I was like, that just tells you that Adesanya just mopped the floor of you. Like, the only thing that would have made it more definitive if Adesanya got the finish, which he didn't really go for. I think he just, he fights his fight and if the finisher, if the finish doesn't present itself, he won't go for it. And, um, yeah, it was quite a interesting fight, to say the least. I was quite more entertained by the, the in-between rounds where coaches were t- talking to the fighters. More of the Tories sort of corner. Just just delusion. It's fucking hilarious. This guy is hilarious. But it sort of asks the question, who's next for both guys? Well, Israel Sanya calls out Robert Whitaker for a fight in October in Auckland, New Zealand, which... Very unlikely to happen, according to Dana White, because the situation, obviously, because of COVID and restrictions and stuff like that. 
So they'll probably fight, but it'll probably be in like Vegas or Arizona, one of them sort of American states. I don't think it'll be in Australia or New Zealand. Um, obviously, Adesanya mentions uh, Val. I think I'm saying that right. That right. I'm, I'm gonna have to quickly Google it. But he uh, he talks about his form rather saying kick his ass in sparring and uh, yeah, Falvarke, that was his name. And um, yeah, just talking about how he beats you out of him in sparring and stuff like that, saying this one's for you, brother, and stuff. And it was like, all right, now it's for me to call out Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker, I'm the fucking king, let's go. And then he uh, sort of dropped the mic sort of moment. Then the Rocks theme around me starts playing afterwards which i was like what what's, what's going on <laughs> but um no it's quite it's quite funny israel sanya starring he's just a star for the ufc absolute star uh the yan fight sort of was like a little hurdle that he sort of stumbled over but he's sort of back on track uh you're sort of running out of contenders for him to fight that's probably the only issue i see here because obviously he's fought everyone i mean Whitaker is a rematch where Israel Sanya beat him within the first two rounds. I think he, he basically knocked him out in first, but uh, the buzzer sort of saved Whitaker and then he finished him in the second. So it's like, what do what, you do after Whitaker versus Israel Sanya? Uh, presuming that Israel does the same thing again, because he's literally cleaned out that division. Like, you don't, don't really know what you can do with him. They probably need to either build someone else up which, you know, it's MMA, it's not like wrestling, where you can have this certain guy's weird and shit like that. But, um, yeah, what you do next? You try and get someone in from other promotions. Like, what do you do? I mean, you could do the... the ultimate fighter approach and build someone up from that, which they done for Demetrius Johnson with the flyweight divisions where Tim Elliott won it. But I don't think that's very realistic. I don't think that will happen at all. You've got to sort of let the division play out. I feel Israel Adesanya obviously fights Whitaker in the, in October, which I think they're targeting for. And then just take a little bit of a layoff and let the division sort of play out a little bit and then get a contender from that. Because, uh, yeah, he sort of ran out. He sort of just cleaned out the division. And uh, what does Vittori do, uh, do next? He's called out Paolo Costa. But Paolo is sort of on rocky terms at the moment with the UFC. Obviously saying he's not getting paid enough and all this sort of bullshit. Which is like, mate, you, you got fucking bummed during <laughs> you got bummed during your last fight to Israel Sanya where you knocked you the fuck out, and yeah, I don't think you can ask for more. You like all fighters in the UFC should probably get paid a bit more, like the the lower card guys and you, everyone across the board, apart from like Connor and shit like that. They should get paid more across the board. But I don't think you can ask for more, more money after your last performance where you got bit, just bitch slapped about and you done fuck all. So I don't think... Like if you have beaten the shit of Israel Adesanya one at all, yeah, ask for more money. But getting fucking humped in the middle of the ring or the octagon rather after you get beaten the shit out of and asking for more money afterwards, I'm not going to... Like I don't think anyone's going to sort of go, yeah, you, you're right. You should get more money. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if that fight will take place. I don't know. Uh, the the booking at the moment in the middleweight division. I know Downs Hill and Derek Brunson are booked to fight each other, 
Uh, I'm not sure where Vittori goes from here. You could give him, you could feed him Edmund Shirazian, which I don't think they'll do. I think Edmund needs to fight lower lower tier guys and get back on track first. Uh, I'm not sure if Jared, I think Cannonier and Gaston will fight each other. I could be wrong about that, but maybe that's those are the sort of like potential matchups that could happen. So I'd say those four guys: Till, Brunson. Gaslam or Cannoneer, like any of them, like depending on winners and losers, who's getting a title shot and all that sort of bollocks. Maybe fight one of them dudes with Tory. But I'm not sure. I don't know. He's a tough dude. No, like, no bullshit there. He beat Jack and Mansman, who's no joke. But I don't think he's. Uh, like the fact that he got title shot against Adesanya is quite, quite shocking. Like, I, I was a bit surprised by it. Like, you beat Jack Manson. That's it. So, I don't know what you do with him from here. Honestly, I don't know what you do. But, obviously, uh, the next card... Or next, let's talk about the next fight night quick. Which is... There's a couple of good fights. I know one off the top of the head, which is Korean Zombie versus Jack Ige. Not Jack Ige. Dan Ige. the fuck is Jack Ige? Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's going to be an absolute fucking bomb burner. I'm actually excited for that. And I'm off for it as well. Like, I'm not actually working that Sunday morning so I can actually watch the fucking fights. Oh, next fighting. Davy Grant versus Marlon Vieira. Or Vera are fighting. Matt Brown versus Diego Lima. There's a couple of good fights on there. I might check it out. What about the prelims? Anything on the prelims? Nah. I'll probably skip the prelims and just watch the main cards. Because I... Yeah, fuck that. And, uh, yeah. And... Obviously, the big next event is Connor versus Dustin Free, which will be interesting. A lot of eyeballs will be on that. Hopefully, I'm off for that. I'm working 11 hours, mostly on Sundays, which, one, can't be fucked. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Number two, my company decided to open up half an hour before to let people browse in the store. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Don't like it. Don't appreciate it. I have half an hour less to finish everything. But, yeah, hopefully, I'm off for that Sunday. And that wraps it up, I feel. Like the only thing I didn't mention is uh Amosav, the guy who won the world weight title in Bellator was called the wishlist version of Khabib, which was quite funny in a lot of uh memes online. But yeah, I think that much pretty much wrapped it up. Uh yeah, I think I'm just gonna watch some Euros. Hopefully England wins tomorrow. And yeah, that's that's that. Alright, see you later, fuckers. And remember, Pod's God. See you. Peace.